Hey, everybody. This episode of Clinic Gym Radio is brought to you by our new communication system, Clinic Gym Connect. Now, I said communication system. It's also a marketing system. It's also a customer service system, and it's also a follow-up system. It's all of those things because it is a communication system, and you can't provide great service, great care, or great marketing without great communication. So the secret here is that we want you to use text message-based communication. It's what people do today. If you're just emailing your patients, if you're adding them to email lists through MailChimp and Gmail and all that, man, I just think you're going to struggle to grow. But we have some solutions built into our system that will help you grow and make this year the best year you've ever had in clinic and hopefully in your gym. So check out clinicgymconnect.com. Again, that's clinicgymconnect.com. Hey, welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I have spent the last 12 years trying to find the perfect model of musculoskeletal healthcare. And I think I found it. I think it's combining chiropractic care with excellent rehab skills and then transitioning those patients into an exercise program at a gym where there's great communication between you and the people running the gym. We call that the clinic gym hybrid model. And over the last two years, we've really been trying to perfect it with the goal of having 100 clinic gym hybrid facilities opening up here in the US. I'm Dr. Josh Satterley and welcome to Clinic Gym Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Josh Satterley, and it's my pleasure to be joined today by the bundle of energy known as Dr. David Seaman. <laughs> Dave, how are you? I'm good, Josh. Thanks. Awesome. Well, uh, I know that many folks listening may have seen you at Parker Seminar speaking. You speak what seems like all over the world, or at least you used to when speaking uh, outside of your own home was allowed. Right. Um yeah, but you've spoken everywhere. You are a chiropractor, but you've really kind of transitioned into, I don't want to say nutrition, into chemistry more as a method of treatment. And so I would kind of love to dive into that today if, if you feel up to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's interesting. Chemistry is one of those courses that everybody hates in undergrad and in Cairo school and in med school. I mean, in many ways, a friend of mine, a DC, went and, went and got his PhD in neuroscience. So he had to retake the basic neuroscience classes as part of his PhD training. And he told me, he goes, it was really funny, Dave. He goes, all the MDs, man, they struggled through, if they weren't planning on being neurologists or neuroanatomists, they struggled through the neuroscience just like we did. And so if you take a basic, you know, if we go through any of the professional schools for, for healthcare, you take a neuroscience class, but it's like a class. You don't live in neuroscience. So we graduate mostly kind of sucking in neuroscience. I mean, mostly. I mean, mostly, right? right? I mean, I feel I suck and, and because, I mean, oh my God, there's so much to know. And then the same thing for chemistry because it's taught to us by non-clinicians. So there's, never, there's, there's an enormous disconnect between chemistry and clinical practice. And so, so people think that, like, people tell me, well, they'll tell me, well, I'm into structure and you're into chemistry. And I'm like, dude, your structure is chemistry. You've created an artificial separation that will compromise you from treating patients whose chemistry is the primary problem versus just a problem with the position or movement of their chemistry. So if you have someone whose chemistry is not excessively inflamed, you can adjust them, exercise them, posture them, traction them, you know, all that kind of stuff, and they get better. But if the chemistry itself of the structure is compromised, they're not going to get better. And that's yeah, it's funny. I remember I was at a, a functional movement systems meeting and Greg Cook was talking and he said, uh, he made the offhanded comment, just kind of 
you know, and he goes, most people can improve their FMS score by two or three points by just eating better. And everybody's like, what? He's like, yeah, just get rid oh, of it. Oh, there you go. That's funny. Yeah. And uh, so it kind of supports your point, which your book and uh, kind of your approach is called, you refer to it as the deflame diet, right? Right. Yeah. And, and you honestly maybe want to throw out the diet word at there, just maybe deflame yourself, but that'll start uh, bordering into political talk these days. So yeah, uh, better. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had like, I, d- I decided to, uh, when I bought some, uh, cause I hadn't, I didn't play golf in like 15, 20 years, gone to surfing and I started playing again. Uh, actually because of Mark King came down for a visit and, and, uh, he was actually doing a seminar and he goes, Hey, you want to play golf? I'm like, I haven't played golf in like 15 years. So I go, okay. So I'm like, crap, I'm hooked on golf again. So then I'm like looking at the clothes. heavens like, they're like 40 years old, shorts are beat to crap. And so I decided that as you can see my hat, it's like deflame, you know, you can see nutrition. So people know that that's not some like, you know, mean <laughs> social political thing. But, but the idea of deflaming though, is if you don't sleep well, and you don't get the amount of hours of sleep and those, and I think I'm not a sleep guy, but there are, we have to go through several cycles of a certain phase to be rested. And if you don't do that, you will become gradually more inflamed. So, 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 so deflame is not just, I mean, it's just anti-inflammatory, but anti, anti-inflammatory, it's like seven syllables. Deflame is two, easy. Right. Well, that's good for us chiropractors. Yeah. 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 So, 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 so type that all into my Google search, you know, to look up anything. Yeah. But it's funny. You've already said like the structure is really the chemistry. And no, the now structure you're saying, is chemistry. So your structure is chemistry. All right. And your behavior is chemistry. Meaning if you're not behaving at getting enough hours of sleep, you can't affect the, the, you can't deflame as much as you need to. It's like right. impossible. Yeah. Huh. It reminds me of breathing. Like, you know, you have to check the lung capacity and then there's actually like how much transfer is happening of oxygen. And then, you know, like, well, you, you, you know, are you, uh, what is it called when you exhale, you're acidic. There's a couple conditions that are chemical reactions that your breath controls and also this transference and also the structure. And also it could be, you know, blocked. Like there's all these interactions and that's just one organ that we're talking about right there you go awesome so, so, you, so you could have like the perfect diet and exercise and be fit and, and pass all the fms stuff so you're really really like there right uh but then you stop sleeping it can just all go to hell yeah you know you're doing all the other stuff properly i so, remember talking to a patient who was a navy seal and he basically said that he's like i was in the best shape of my life uh you know we're and we're well fed, we're taken care of, you know, like we're, we're whatever physical treatment, whatever physical class you wanted to give us, we had it on base. And he's like, then we go out on deployment. It's like, we sleep for like two hours a night. We, you know, you're eating like crap, whatever you can just shove in your mouth as you're rolling in a Humvee. He said, I come back. And he's like, I feel like I was on an eight month deployment. I feel like I aged 14 years. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. And those guys are, you know, they've got mindset. They've got the enough muscle. They've got enough flexibility. They've got enough you know, all the other things check a lot of boxes and yet here they are feeling like garbage. So yeah, you should take anybody, the fittest person there is like that guy who was at, I think the last, well, the, I forget the ex Marines name who did a talk at that one Parker class. David Goggins, the runner. Yeah. Yeah. So you take that guy and deprive him of sleep for, uh, for a month, have him sleep four hours a night and, uh, he will, he will tank. 
because, because without enough sleep, without enough of those key cycles, your body flames up. There was actually a paper that was done back in, I forget when it was, to, to early, mid, about 2004. And they deprived people. They, they had them not sleep or only sleep four hours for 10 days straight. And their CRP levels, which is a marker of inflammation, rose into, from, from normal, rose into, for some, into the high cardiovascular heart attack disease risk state just in 10 days of four hours sleep. Wow. That's exactly right. So, so people say, what's the most important thing? Sleep. <laughs> sleep is more important than eating. So for those listening that are in clinical practice every day seeing patients, what, what you're saying is making me think, you know, just like we have checklists and other things, there might be a checklist of, because I'm, I'm picturing these people now where, you know, you know, you did a good diagnosis, you know, you're treating the right structure, you know, you're doing a good job of treating the thing you think is holding them back from getting rid of their pain. So their low back pain, you're like, hey, I'm treating this internal rotation of their hip and this thoracic spine that doesn't move, bang, bang, bang. And then they come back and they're like, eh, eh, that's, you know, I like what the work you do, but, but you can see all over their face and all over their movement. You haven't really changed things that much. Yeah. And so my gut instinct after talking to you for two and a half minutes now is you're peeing in the ocean of inflammation there. You think yeah. that, you know, just sprinkling baking soda in the ocean is going to change the, the pH levels. and and there ain't no way. And so those joints are so inflamed that Jesus himself could lay his hands upon that person and it's not exactly. going to, it's not okay. going to make a move better. Right. Okay. So, so I'll give you an example. For, and best way to look at this. So if you think about someone who is diabetic, people, and I'm talking type two, not the type one, because they're so rare anyway. Because type two is you got millions. Metabolic syndrome, which is basically a pre-diabetic state. You have about a quarter of the adult U.S. population who, who has blood glucose level. We'll give it a few years. We're going for a third, baby. Don't hold us back. It's only a quarter right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, but so, so when you hit diabetes, so what happens is when glucose is elevated chronically, it will, any cell exposed to a, to a glycemic blast, a hyperglycemic blast, whether it be a chondrocyte, fibroblast, a tenocyte, which is essentially a weird fibroblast, uh, muscle cells, myocytes, Mm-hmm. You could any cell you can think of. So I mentioned no immune cells, right? Those those musculoskeletal cells, when they're exposed to this barrage of, of hyperglycemia, they release inflammatory mediators. To the point where, if you have it long enough, the hyperglycemia will actually knock out satellite cells and skeletal muscle. And your satellite cells, I know they're the, they're your stem cells. Okay. Satellite cells are your muscle stem cells, and they're the ones that respond to exercise and create mm-hmm. the regeneration, which is why you have to rest after a, a heavy exercise bout, right? Okay. So, 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 so like the way I'm talking now, people would say, well, you know, this guy's not a nutrition guy. Yeah. Cause I'm not, I mean, I'm an inflammation guy, right. but, but I mean, I'm not a sleep guy. I mean, how would I put together a sleep clinic? Really? I mean, that's like a clinic. This is, so I went to the nutrition side of it all. Um, so, so when people live for, and, it, and it's hard to say how many years it is, but is variable for each person, but hyperglycemia, which is a pro-inflammatory state, which right now a quarter of the adult population are living in. When you hit my age 60, 45 to 50% have hyperglycemia. When you're a full-blown diabetic, this is what they found. This is is known for a long time. Full-blown type 2 diabetics at my age 60 compared to non-diabetics, the diabetics will have reduced mobility across every joint tested compared to your non-diabetics. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. <laughs> that's the problem, right? See, that's why it's uh, so, yeah. Hold on. It, it might be good for chiropractors. If our goal is to improve mobility and joints, man, it's like, here, throw out some Snickers bars because then you'll need me, right? Well, you know, the thing about those is that, is, is, is that if, they, if, if they throw out, if they don't throw out the Snickers bars and they're hyperglycemic and their pain and, and, and reduced mobility is, is due to the hyperglycemia, and it's well known too that the people who have, uh, it's, so osteoarthritis develops as we age. It's not like a young person thing unless you have a nasty, nasty injury. So what mm-hmm. happens is they found that metabolic syndrome, that same you know, hyperglycemic state, prediabetes, people, pe- osteoarthritis is, is actually, one paper recently said, should we, con- should we include osteoarthritis as part of the markers for the metabolic syndrome? Holy smokes. As if yeah. you didn't have a metabolic syndrome, your, your risk of osteoarthritis plummets? Plummets. Wow. Yeah. And I'm huge. Talk- yeah, huge. So I mean, thing- every, every, I work with a lot of golfers and you see like these 65-year-old guys that are members of country clubs that, you know, and they're, they're, they're hard chargers. They made some money in their life. They want to live. And to them, that means, hey, I want to play golf a couple times a week, travel with my wife to foreign countries. And, and when they go, they're not sitting around doing whatever they're, you know, they're hiking through the ruins of Athens and, you know, they're, they're walking the streets of Rome. And to them, I mean, I've talked to a few of them, the ability to move is, is worth, you know, a million dollars, tens of millions of dollars to move without pain. If they could just guarantee that. And what you're saying is, uh, forget all the, we approach it from a structure, manipulating the structure side as chiropractors, right? Like, Hey, this joint doesn't move, make it move. Um, but you're saying, hey, approach it from a different way, and you might be able to offer them a whole lot more ability. You'll be able to impact those individuals who, so let's just call it you know, hyperglycemia metabolic syndrome because it's so prevalent, right? So okay. 25% of the entire adult population, 45% or more of people of, 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 of 60 and older. And so the average person, unless they really made it rich when they were young and they're 40 and retired, you're talking pretty much 60-ish, right? Yeah. So guys my age. Right. So I a lot of guys. I mean, guys that aren't as good looking as you, but sure, they're chronologically true. exactly the same. Same same year we were born, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I go out there and I play with guys. I play with a guy who was 40 who bombed it past me 50 yards on average because a guy just crushes it. But we both shot 80 on a pretty tough course and I'm 60, he's 40. Now there are a bunch of guys who are 60 who are obviously way better than I am, but you know how many guys who are 50 and 60 who can't bust a nut with a driver because they're so metabolically and therefore musculoskeletally metabolically compromised. So if I was in practice now, which I'm not, I would love to have no metabolic syndrome people show up because they're much easier to treat. Yeah. It's the flamers that are the problem. And so, so, so the, and the the thing about to the people make complicated is, after you treat somebody a bunch of times, you know, whatever it is, and typically, you know, after being in practice for how many years have you been in practice now? 15. 15. Okay. So it didn't take you long to find out that if, you, if, if, if you're doing manipulation, myofascial work, rehab, and if the person's not responding, they typically should have some improvement within a week. Not better necessarily. Some are really better. But if you have no improvement, pretty much... You know, yeah. un- unless you really had a really bad misdiagnosis, they're not going to respond. So in that case, you got to bring the lifestyle thing up. And for most people, it's nutrition because most people are overweight and diabetic. And then they're like, they think they catastrophize themselves into thinking that they can never have a donut again. 
that's where their minds go. So for those listening who think that structure is structure rather than what it truly is, structure being chemistry, you should just think, okay, my body is chemistry. No one's going to dispute that. Some people's chemistry is far more responsive to rehabilitation and manipulation and McKenzie and traction and all that stuff. But if you've crossed the flame threshold, you'll no longer be a responder. So all you got to do is drop the flame down below the threshold and then you're okay. It's not like you all of a sudden have to like have green juice every day and fast and do colonics and all the rest of the insanity that people talk about. Right. Okay. How do we do that with our patients though? Well, let me, let me back up one step. Yeah. Clinically, what are, what are some signs that you're dealing with uh, that, that the issue that the patient is presenting with would be better affected through deflaming them rather than hands-on care? I'm, I'm, both would work, right? I mean, both would work on almost everybody. But what, what I'm saying is if you knew it was 90% inflammatory and 10% you know, joint issue, you would want to go after the 90%. If right. it was 50-50, that's fine. But uh, what are some, do you have any clinical markers or, or clinical signs that somebody go like, Hey, this, this person's telling you, what do you call them? Do you have call them green flags or something like uh, the color of vegetables? No, I don't have any of that language. I just call them flamers. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty strict. My grandfather was a butcher. So I've got like, you know, the, the, uh, the very blue collar kind, yeah. kind of upbringing. So, so, so I just, you know, they're, they're just flamers and they need to deflame. Yeah. So the first thing is to get someone to embrace. Okay. I'm inflamed. But what do you mean doc? Okay. Well, th- here is the best, the because when you start thinking about DCs and PTs, since you don't think chemically and you think more in terms of movement and structure, take out a tape measure and you do waist-hip ratio on these people. Every, every patient coming in, you should do a waist-hip ratio and a BMI just as part of the initial assessment. So to you, that's a vital sign? Just Well, on, it's, on. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's an indirect marker of inflammatory potential. So when waist-hip ratio goes up, there's almost always an elevation in, in, in glucose levels. It may not be above 100 is the cutoff for metabolic syndrome. You want to be well below 100, but 100, 100 is, is the limit. So the other thing that I would suggest... Just, just for those uh, listening, the waist can be manipulated, right? Hip, we know, go around the greater trochanters and you should have it yeah. on the waist. Yeah. Uh, are you saying going around the navel? Like, is that the best place? The, where, where the most girth is. Some people it's at the navel, for others it's an inch below or uh, an inch above. Okay, but not where, uh, where your pants still fit if you just lower them down just low enough? You mean where you hang the mass over the weight? Yeah. yeah. yeah you yeah. don't cinch it up underneath the belly yeah. uh, rolling over. Yeah, yeah. People say, oh, I wear 35s. Yeah, but you got another 25 rolling mm-hmm. over the 35. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, so and the, have- the holes in your belt, your leather belt have become... Uh, uh, Shaped like a, uh, <laughs> they're, they're a long oval. Right. So, so, so simply, and, and if you can in your office, if you're allowed in, 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 in terms of, 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 of the individual state scope, is I would get a glucometer in the office and you can check. It doesn't make any difference if it's fasting or not fasting because fasting, your glucose should be well below 100. Postprandially, your glucose should be well below 140. So 140 is the below 140 is the normal glucose level two hours into a glucose tolerance test. And that's pure glucose, right? It's like drinking a bunch of sodas. So, so the average person doesn't eat 
pure sugar. So if they eat a regular old meal with some French fries and other stuff in it, when did you eat last? Two hours ago? Test them. If they're above, if they're above 140, you got someone who is, who is, who is, who's pre-diabetic. Okay. Yeah. 180, I think, is is a uh, tough time. 180. And for those listening, I mean, I'm I'm sure people are familiar with this, but uh, testing glucose takes it's a pinprick, run it in the system, and the the machine takes what 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, it's done seconds? right there. Yeah, I mean, we're not talking about uh, something that's going to take you a long amount of time in clinic. Yeah. Hell, the waist to hip ratio will probably take you a little bit longer. Yeah, just it's, it's only a couple seconds though. Yeah. Once you get it down, BMI, waist hip ratio, glucose. So you have those three slash four. If you have that information, so, so if their waist-up ratio is, here's the best way to look at it. If the waist-up ratio is up, right, and, and they look like they, could, they got a, a lot of muscle mass, uh, maybe a little bit, because if you have none, your glucose will be high. So you're not horrific. You do the glucose, and if it's normal, that means that the person's not a flamer. They'll probably be a responder. Okay. So that, that brings up an interesting clinical situation, because if you know it's not a glucose issue, and they're not responding, it's biasing you more towards like a red flag or something that you're missing, right? Because it could be, it could be a red less flag explanation. Or, or it could be psychosocial stuff, right? Yeah. But if they are, if you test them and their glucose is 172. Oh God. Yeah. And, and uh, you adjust them and they're like, hey, I feel good. And they come back the next day and say, man, it's back, you know, right. whatever it is. Uh, probably it's... <laughs> It's like uh, the the inflammation never actually left. You just provided a little shot of mobility in there, but it quickly got consumed by the Correct. inflammatory monster. Yeah, you had some nociceptive okay. inhibition in the cord, and then and then yeah. the next day, you know, the 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 nociceptors start start firing again, and so you're you know you're back where 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 you were. Well, yeah, clinically though, this is kind of. I mean, I think one of the best parts about being a chiropractor is like you put your hands on somebody's stuff changes, right? It's awesome. Right. Like I think it's very Absolutely. rewarding. And what you're saying is, or what I'm hearing is deflaming somebody who's, let's say it's 60, you just test, they're 60 years old. They, you know, have a couple of drinks every night. They eat at the clubhouse after a round of golf. They're, and their, their behavior and their diet are embedded, right? They're inflamed. Uh, it sounds like the solution then, my mind automatically goes towards these people that say, hey, stop drinking a latte every day, put that $3 in the bank and you know, you'll be able to retire by 64 or whatever. Right. And it doesn't sound nearly as fun as, hey, I put my hands on somebody and things change. Right. right? Absolutely. Yes. So yeah. how do we kind of walk that line? Because, and the other thing is, I mean, patients aren't going to come to you for 84 visits of, of of diet recommendations towards a goal they can't even see yet. I mean, we're not even looking at the horizon, right? So how have you learned to kind of balance those two things? Uh, people, the human brain loves goals. Okay. Even if, even like, so, so when someone makes a decision to do something, they automatically feel better physiologically because they made a decision. And if the decision is a right decision, that good feeling will continue because it's the right decision. If that decision is the wrong decision, you'll feel good for a little bit. Wrong decision, eh, got to get a new decision. My point is that making a decision is the is 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 a psych is is a is a mental act of 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 commitment, and the human brain loves commitment and it loves goals. So when it comes to food and drink and all the stuff that people like to do for fun, you have to have a marker in there so that they know where when they've reached the toleration point. 
So mm-hmm. let's just say that you're a country clubber and you come out after a round. Well, as opposed to eating all those chips with your beer, have a beer and a, a salad. I mean, really, your life's going to be over, you country clubber. Your life will be over. You're on this great private golf course playing beautiful, and right. your life will now suck because you've got to give up potato chips. What type mm-hmm. of mental – I mean, that's like to me is like so mentally weak. I'd be like, really? I mean, I can play till I'm 90? Mm-hmm. I play golf occasion with a guy who's 80. And he got, the guy drives at 250 still. I'm like, I want to be you. Be, you got to be above like 75 to shoot your age. You know, yeah. 80s when you this, start getting into that. That fun this guy, age. Yeah. this guy is like a five handicap. Yeah. He's just ex pro, but still though, he's 80 and he, and you, you look at Jack here, perfect example. So we're talking golf here. Who would you rather want to be longevity wise? I mean, major champion, clearly Jack Nicholas, but would you want to be Gary player or Jack Nicholas? Jack Nicholas, like he walks like he's 95. Gary player moves like he's young still. That you right there, the, all anyone needs to know. Yeah. They, they do that thing where they tee off at the masters, you know, and it used to be yeah. Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and Gary player, the three oldest guys. And it was funny. If you put a mask, a young mask on, on Gary player, he moves like a, a 35 year old. I mean, the guy's right. amazing. Like he yes. just moves so well. Yeah. Now, so, so, so clinically there's, here's my dream. I'll just, you know, when somebody comes in, you suspect dopamine, I'm sorry, you suspect Parkinson's issue, right? You're seeing neurological degeneration. It's great because you send them to the hospital to inject dopamine. If symptoms go away, it's positive, right? And it'd be great if we could have like a dart gun in our office that has like just a ton of something that eliminates glucose, shoot them in the butt and and you're like five minutes. Wow. Look at all the things you can do. You can touch your toes. You can jump 24 inches. You can lift 300 pounds and then that fades away and they go back to their crappy self. And then you go, Hey, you want to feel like that forever? This would be great. You know, I mean, that's how you motivate a Parkinson's person is you show them how good life could be if they just, you know, if they get dopamine in their life and it's like, oh, wow. Okay. Well then, you know, it's like one of the uh, most blatant examples of here's why you take these meds. Well, the thing about that though is um, the, over time though, because, because Parkinson's disease is due to uh, trashing of your dopamine neurons and that's all due to free radicals and inflammation. And so look at Dave Seaman here, pulling it back to inflammation. My God, man. But yep. that's what it is though. You know, so like, even like, you'll like, tell me the only reason I'm not dating Giselle Bunchen is she's inflamed. Her brain is <laughs> basking in glucose. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, it, there, there's no, so, so, so how about this? We have COVID now, right? So, so this COVID thing is a nightmare for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And the people who tend to die, you now forget the app because everyone's like, I know a thin person. Yeah, but mm-hmm. first of all, who knows? Maybe you're, you're, you're an attorney or you know, a, a banker. What do you know about biology to say the person yeah. was thin and therefore fine? I mean, you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's what a lot of idiots say, well, this person wasn't fat and they died. Well, this is what people don't realize is that you can be thin. So you've seen a lot of what, I mean, we used, to, I, we used to call them in the old days when I used skinny fat people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the skinny fat, so these skinny fat people, they are actually hyperglycemic. Their body chemistry is, is metabolically obese, even though they're thin. And that person will be a non-responder too, which is why it's so important uh, to identify the glucose level, see where you are. Right. So, so, so a Parkinson's person, all these various conditions, well, so, so COVID, obese people and very old, frail people are the ones who, who, who are most likely 90, whatever, almost 99%, those are the ones who die. And the reason why is because the obese body chemistry 
has multiple pro-inflammatory changes. Like for when it comes to viral infections, you've got to be able to produce these things called type 1 interferons. And obese people do not produce those. So they do not tag viruses properly and get rid of them, which means turns out that obese people can stay infected 100% longer than a lean person. Simultaneously, I'm sorry, you said 100%. That would be longer. So if it's it's a week for me or you, it would be two weeks for them. Okay. So they're contagious for twice as long as the average lean person. Wow. Yeah. And simultaneously, they're they're unable to to reduce, I mean, to produce type 1 interferons, but they're very capable of overproducing pro-inflammatory cytokines. And the cytokine storm is what kills most people in the hospital. So obese body chemistry is horrific no matter who you are across the board. So you want to get all those markers normal because that will allow you to be, you know, a country clubber and enjoy yourself for a lot, a lot longer. And the great news there is if you're at a country club, all these guys are dying. Their trophy wives are not. And so you can be the last one to meet all these trophy wives. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. That's the yeah. motivation. You just got to outlast that guy to your right and the guy to your left. There you go. That's exactly right. And I'm amazed, actually, when I see these guys play, you know, in his varying ages. And I'm like, funny because I'm 60. I was playing golf last year. The guy's like 52. And he's like, because how do you hit it so far? He's like, he goes, wait till you're my age. I go, how old are you? He's 52. I go, yeah, I was your age eight years ago, dude. <laughs> That's great. Because he's a flamer. He's drinking beer and eating potatoes, riding in a cart, and I'm walking. I will not yeah. play golf unless I walk or if I'm playing with my father, who's not going to walk. He's 85. All right. Well, for those listening, you also live in Daytona Beach, which is, it's not right. hard to walk out there most of the year. Right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, but I would only, but, but even if I was living further north, I would, I would only play courses where I could walk. Because yeah. to me, golf is walking and you yeah. have to hit a ball to keep your mind occupied. I mean, that's how I do it. I don't play golf to actually be a golfer. I do it to exercise and be in the fresh air. Uh, Dave, do you know of a fitness author named Dan John? I don't think I do. Yeah, really smart guy. uh, Studied as a theologian, actually, for a lot of years. And then um, threw the discus, went to uh, Olympic trials and competed worldwide. Anyways, he's a great author. You'd enjoy his work because he's sarcastic and funny like us and also, but he's incredibly smart. Um, so, uh, he has a thing where he says, you know, when you're talking about waist to hip ratio, he tells his guys in fitness, you know, it's not a clinical setting that your inseam should always be longer than your waist on your pants. So if you got a 36 inch waist, you need to have 36 or 37 inch inseam. Yeah. If you're a 32 inch inseam, you're meaning you're shorter, right? You got to have a 30 inch waist. And I was like, hmm, I like that. He always That's says it. jeans too, because they're the least forgiving of pants. <laughs> right. That, yeah. you know, that is actually pretty close to, to what you would see. Now there is one thing. So like you're six, four, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm six, two, you're six, four. And you know, you're a big guy. I'm a more frail guy. Um, mm-hmm. so, but it, so if you were always big, then, then, then that means that you're probably metabolically adapted to a bigger waist than say 33 or four. Mm-hmm. So, so, so here's how you would know. You just do a, you just grab your glucometer and you'll know if you need to get rid of some belly fat. Yeah. So I don't need a glucometer to tell me that. Yeah. I have I'm wife, just, I kids, mirrors, oh, I know. things but like that. Yeah. What, what I mean though, so that you, so you don't enter a metabolically compromised state mm-hmm. okay. because, because what happens for, for people, once they become hyperglycemic, 
they don't experience symptoms for a long time due to the hyperglycemia because it takes a while for tissues to degenerate and not repair properly. Right. So, yeah. so, 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 so if you look at, they did a great study on volleyballers. These guys are on the beach jumping, all that kind of stuff. So and a lot of these guys are your height, my height, six feet to six, five, six, six, right? Yeah. Some are even so, much taller than that. You yeah. Know? yeah. Six, 10. Yeah. Yeah. Big guys. So what they found in the study is that, is, is that any of these volleyballers who had a waistline, just, you know, umbilicus, so around the navel, above 33 inches, they had low-grade inflammation and they had, and they had uh, tendinopathy signs. Yeah. So you, wow. Yeah. So that's why knowing your glucose is so yeah. important. Okay. Yeah. So let me just recap what, what I've learned so far, because I think that, that there is, um, you know, my dream at some point is I wish there was some great algorithm. Somebody comes in, they tell you their symptoms, even whether it's an emergency room or whatever, and that you could run a few tests or swabs or some sort of bevy of simple, simple tests that we could essentially do out in the field that would tell you at the core, this is a nutrition issue. At the core, this is a muscle skeletal issue. At the core, this is a organ failure of some sort. You know, this person's, you know, cardiovascular issue, lung, kidney, liver, whatever, uh, you know, would put you into those things because so many times as, I mean, the most drastic is, you know, what's the most common sign of a heart attack. It's a musculoskeletal sign, which is like numbness tingling in my left arm. Right. But luckily we've seen enough people die from that who reported the left arm right. tingling that we go, Hey, that's actually not a musculoskeletal thing. Don't spend four weeks trying to figure it out. Right. You know, send them to the ER. Yeah. But anyways, for those in, that, that are listening clinically, you think on the front end, an easy way to do this is run whatever test you're going to run, do your vitals, but include a glucometer as long as it's inside your scope. And you can, yeah, I think in Nevada, we just recently changed from can't pierce the skin as our scope. So this would be piercing the skin, right? But do a glucometer, get a waist to a hip ratio, and then step back, look at your factors. If, the gluco if their glucose level is off the charts, pursue that first, or at least have a conversation about like, Hey, I can do anything we want stretches and whatnot. But until we get this under control, we're hosed. Right. I would say this, I would say, let's just say you have a patient who comes in and, and, and they test at like 110. So they're yeah. at one and, and they should be below, below hundred. They, yeah. they may respond to any of the manual care exercise stuff that you do. But at some point that above hundred is going to compromise not only their musculoskeletal, their visceral tissues, as well as their nervous system. Okay. So there should be a combined goal, no matter who you are. Unless you have a magnificent responder. Well, if this guy's going to be 70 at some point and wanting to be a country clubber and playing golf, blah, blah, on and on, and maybe even walk. Well, if you're above 100, that's going to be difficult to do. You want to get your metabolic state normal, no matter if you respond or not respond to care. And yeah. the thing about people say, it's, it's, it's not complicated. I mean, it's like, Dumping French fries, really? I mean, how did human beings live before there were French fries and potato chips? They, what, were they running around going, what's wrong? I just can't wait until those French fries appear on earth so I can enjoy French fries. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one cares. So if you stop, if, if you avoid the crap that is jacking up your inflammatory chemistry, you do it for a month, you will not care about not eating those foods. You just won't care. So now, as an example, I eat a donut every month or so. My God, what a risk taker. Awesome mm -hmm. donuts, great coffee. It's not, it doesn't do anything to me. So, so, so there's always a donut threshold that one should not exceed. That's all you have to think about. 
That's awesome. The the donut threshold. The donut threshold. <laughs> you have a counseling session. I'm sorry. You, you, ladies and gentlemen, you have all exceeded your donut threshold. And there you go. That's, that's why exactly I've stepped in it. here to help. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk action steps. You You know that your patient is in this or you're highly suspecting it. Now you have said, you mentioned potato chips and French fries. So obviously you're not of Irish descent because you would never list those things if you were Irish. Uh, no, because, because French fries and potato chips, see the Irish, they boiled their potatoes. So mm. I, I eat, I have maybe like, my mom is probably like a, an eighth Irish. So mm. I got some true Emerald Isle green in me. And so I eat potatoes basically like that. All right. Well, I was just being facetious, but you I never know. said to give up whiskey. So I think you're okay. You're, you're in a, but the, a the Irish will let you continue, too, right? There's a, there's a threshold. Yeah. And so Americans have just lost sight of, 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 of controlling their desires. Cause if you look back, say, if, if you take a picture or, or Google Babe Ruth and then hit images, you'll see Babe in the, you know, playing baseball. And Babe was the biggest guy in the stadium. Cause he, he was the only guy who, who could afford to overeat. The rest of the players and the people in the stands were all normal weight and they could sit in the, 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 those old crappy wooden stadium chairs in Yankee Stadium and they wouldn't be rolling into the people next to them. Yeah. Right? That was just normal. So, so humans in, this, in, in 2020 and the last 20 or 30 years, we've become sort of mutated humans into these blobs of excess body fat and glycemia that drives all of these problems. And then we've got this emotional attachment to these foods too, which you can break as long as you have a goal to help break it. So, so glucose, waist-to-hip ratio, body mass index, unless they're well-muscled, which would not be an issue anyway, those three can be used to target your French fry drinking. And I don't mean that. You know, I mean, people think I'm fat because I drink beer. And I'm watching them eat gallons of French fries. I'm like, dude, <laughs> it's not the beer there, big boy. It's not the beer. So <laughs> it's like, it's like the, uh, the French fry elephant in the room that everyone's ignoring. You just have to commit to developing normal chemistry. And it's yeah. not complicated. It does not require a big degree. People overeat refined sugar, refined flour, refined oils to the point where the average American gets about 60% of their calories from those refined nutrient-free pro-inflammatory foods. So you have to cut those back until your markers are normal. And we just went over this. This that easy, uncomplicated. It's not like, tell me the superfood. Well, if you're, if you're from Greenland, the superfood was walrus meat. <laughs> that's all you ate all winter long, right? Right. So it depends where you're from. Uh, the, 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 the foods that are local to the area. So forget the whole superfood thing. Can I take this herb to fix me? Will this fix me? No, get your markers normal and make that the focus and your life will be so much better. And by the way, clinicians' lives will be so much better because then you'll have these, this cadre of great responders who are going to be playing more golf and they'll still be coming in. They just respond now, which is so much better. Right, right. All right. So, uh, your point is, it's not that difficult. Just get some control of yourself. Ditch the stuff that's pissing your body off. Right. Don't don't <laughs> don't keep eating French fries, but dusting them in you know super green kale or something. It, it right. doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 I mean, just like you know, we know in 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 the the movement side of things, like if the person's telling you, oh, every time I do back squats, I end up you know my back is sore for uh, three days afterwards. Like, 
you don't have to be the smartest doctor in the world to say, well, maybe we should get away from back squats. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like yeah. maybe you should find something else that works. It's that simple. Yeah. 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 And All people right. get more complicated, Josh, because, because they think, okay, I don't know anything about nutrition. Well, you've been doing, nutri- you've been eating your entire life. So that's nothing new. And you mm. already know that, that refined calories are problematic. No one's going to say, no, nah, really donuts are good for you. Sorry. Maybe keto donuts could be good for you. Maybe. Yeah, they could be good for you. Snack wells. <laughs> yeah. Well, snack wells are pure sugar, right? So, so the thing to do is if people want to eat, say, donuts, well, then go get keto donuts. But you still, because you can become diabetic and die of heart disease in a keto diet because it's all calorie dependent. You, you can't go into keto with 5,000 calories of fat per day. You'd be in brutal keto, but you'll also become a diabetic. You could cancer and heart disease probably all at the same time. So keto itself is not the answer. It is properly is proper caloric intake based upon your physical activity. Hmm. But there's lots of healthy substitutes of, of these foods that we do like. So it's still doable for the average person. And you're saying is if your glucose is in control, you can go out for a you know breakfast of pancakes and syrup. Like absolutely, just don't do it every day. Yeah, like right. yeah, you need to avoid it. I'll give you a, a funny story. Um, so this was actually, I was at a convention and, I, and, and this Cairo who, who came to a bunch of the conventions I'd done previously, hey, you want, you want to grab dinner? Sure. I was walking along. We sit down. He's, he's, uh, he orders French fries and wings. And I, of course, do what I do. He's like, you know, every time, every time I eat French fries and wings, my hands get like this. They get like feel arthritic pain and I lose mobility within an hour after eating. I go, every time? He goes, every time. How many times are you going to do it before you think it's not going to happen? This is, this is a Cairo. Talk about addiction to those foods, right? So yeah. it's just difficult. You have to make a goal of it. And if your goal is to be active, you know, so, you, so you think, okay, grandkids, great. I mean, if I, I'm not married, never had kids, but if I did, I would love to be able to live long enough to see great grandchildren. Yeah. Well, you and live in Florida. Florida. So you have like an 84% chance that you owe somebody child support somewhere. I mean, I think that's a rule. So you might have kids. You just don't know about it. Well, I don't know. I was pretty careful. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave, this has been great because uh, I, I love the blending of these things. And I think that it, I mean, a glucometer is what? 50 bucks on Amazon, yeah. 80 bucks. Right. Super fast, easy test. And it just opens up that conversation. Waste to hip ratio is a measuring tape. So you already have that in your old, uh, your old physical exam kit you had to buy for Cairo school, right? right. Dust that puppy off and get it out. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, if people want to know more, kind of read more about your approach, I know you put out a couple of books. Where, where should they go to find those? Simple. Deflame, D-E-F-L-A-M-E.com. All the, the books are there. You can get volume discounts for practice if you want. And then single copies, Amazon, click on app. You can link right, right through. It's very, very simple. And, and are it, they written? I mean, if we wanted to, you know, have, start this conversation with our patients and then give them a quote unquote guidebook, do your books work as that? I mean, are they yes. written in clinical language? Or are they written in like guys like me? Like not that well, smart. No, no, they're written for, for, you have to be interested in the material to enjoy the books. If you're like, huh? well, I need to lose weight. I got to read this friggin' book. Oh God, I, it's just too complicated. Blah blah blah. So you have to be motivated because because it's learning and learning is difficult. So the books are written for for. Oh, give me a perfect example. My nephew used when I first the book first came out in 2016. 
my nephew, I think, was a senior in, in high school. He was senior year in high school. He used my book as his, as his senior project. And so he was 16 or he was 18. And he, and he got through the book fine. Never said, Uncle Dave, I don't understand this. See, he was senior in high school. So as long as you graduate high school and can still read and care about the topic, they're easy to read. Awesome. And, and that's it. And he go to Deflame Nutrition YouTube channel. I got tons of videos on there that okay. give guidance in all these areas and talk about a whole diverse, you know, subject matter. Right. And I love, you know, in your, in your presentation, I've seen at Parker and whatnot, the, the studies, you do a great job of linking what we think is purely a musculoskeletal problem to this inflammatory issue, you know? And, and I think, I think it's fresh. It's been frustrating for me, certainly when you're treating those people and you're like, I know I can get people like this better. I know it. I've done it, you know, and, and you're just getting no traction with that person. And maybe this is the answer, you know, you're, you're, you're peeing in the ocean. Like you're just not going to change an amount of inflammation with these little tiny clinical interventions until the, the big picture is kind of taken care of. Yeah. What got me going in this direction was dealing with non-responders when I was in practice. I'm like, what is this? Mm -hmm. And then you know, I, I did very basic lifestyle stuff, nutrition stuff. And all of a sudden these chronic, all of a sudden people who, who were not responding to manipulation were now responding. God, this is really cool. So you don't get these patients who came in and are bitching at you because it's not working because now their body is workable for the, sure. the manual care and exercise to actually have an effect. Yeah. And I bet they stopped bitching about a lot of things at that point when they're just absolutely, not they're by the way, better, they feel better. Think about this, chronic pain, depression go together and depression's an inflammatory state. Depression actually disrupts serotonin, norepinephrine and dopamine metabolism. That's another story if you want to do it another time. Well, that'll be part two. We'll, okay. we'll circle back in a couple months and cover All that. Right. So, well, Dave, this has been a pleasure. Uh, you're always great to talk to. So people should go to dflame.com and they'll find all your, all your info. There. And if they want to get a, a free paper that has all the markers, just go into the Google search window, just whatever, whatever search window one uses and just put in BMI pain and my free paper that was published back in 2013 that has all the markers, uh, it'll pop up and you just print it out and you can see all the markers, you know, beyond just glucose. Really simple. Awesome. Yeah. I love the fact that you made it pretty simple for guys like me. So, all right, well. guys like me. No, it's for guys like me I made it simple for. Dave, you're way smarter than I am. It just seems like that. It just seems like that because I've been swimming in this pool long enough. Yeah. Well, that's how great, that's how powerful deflaming is. You can take a guy like Dave, just reduce his inflammation enough, and he'll appear smart. I mean, how incredible is it? I know. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Dave, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, For those listening, I think Dave's got a great point here and super simple to implement in your practice, which, uh, you know, and we talk about the, the blend of the clinic and the gym, uh, fitting in a nutrition coaching program or, 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 you know, nutrition workshops fits all of that and certainly gives you another, uh, another service to offer under the kind of umbrella of cash fee for service stuff that you don't have to worry about. Um, you know, and workshops are a great way to make money. So I, I love yeah. many aspects of this, including the business aspects. Yeah. Well, on behalf of Dr. Dave Seaman, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me, Josh. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Clinic Gym Radio. As always, this episode was brought to you by clinicgymconnect.com. What is Clinic Gym Connect? Well, it is a communication software that allows you to connect with your clients, communicate, 
market to them, follow up, provide amazing service, and help them fall in love with you even more than they already do. So if you are interested in all those things and people falling in love with you, you should probably check out clinicgymconnect.com. Once again, that's clinicgymconnect.com.